Welcome to Highway 89, BYU Broadcasting's live music program. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Joining me in the studio today is Tolly Cathy, Director of Classical Guitar Performance at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. Although he'll be plucking nylon strings today, Tully Cathy is equally adept at jazz guitar, an interest that peaked after hearing John McLaughlin's Mahavishnu Orchestra and intensified during a Johnny Smith seminar in 1972. When he was just 17, Tully Cathy became a professional freelance guitarist, which we'll talk about a little later on. Then he headed off to the Berklee College of Music in Boston and Manus College of Music in New York City for his bachelor degree. His first guitar lessons as a kid were with William Fowler at the University of Utah, and he returned to the university later for his master's and doctoral degrees in composition. During his career, he's composed music in a variety of genres, including concert works, scores for Utah's public television station, KUED. Career highlights include his score for River of Stone, the Powell Expedition, receiving a Rocky Mountain Emmy Award. His Sweet Elements, being recorded by the Modern Mandolin Quartet, the Utah Symphony premiering his piece Mother Chord for Large Orchestra, and having Disposable City, a composition for Large Orchestra nominated for a Pulitzer Prize by the Utah Arts Festival. Locally in Utah, Tully Cathy is a member of the Utah Guitar Trio with Todd Woodbury and John Yerby, and he's performed with the Nova Chamber Music Series and Utah Opera. He's a guitarist, also a composer, so let's hear him play something that he wrote. This is a 1985 composition by Tully Cathy called Three Pieces for Guitar.
Today in the studio, I'm visiting with American guitarist Tully Cathy, who just performed for us his composition, Three Pieces for Guitar, written in 1985. Tully, thank you for coming in. And I have to ask, was that, did you always envision three pieces, or how did that come together, that they, those are all a set? Well, I was sketching um, without knowing for sure, you know, uh, how it would turn out. And, uh, and I had a lot of ideas. And uh, and then I decided to, uh, you know, I tried to pick what I thought were the best ideas. 
and um, to create these pieces. But I, I didn't start out with the idea of three at the beginning of the process. And how about you? Were you always composing from the, the very first when you first picked up the guitar? No, actually, I, uh, I uh, didn't start composing really until I was in high school. Or no, actually, I think it must have been my first year of college. But um, I sang folk songs. I, my, I started when I was eight um, with singing folk songs, and then I started with Dr. Fowler, uh, um, Bill Fowler, um, in, uh, two years later. And that's when I learned how to read music. But that's been kind of a... I, I wanted to be a composer <laughs> long before I was actually a, a mature composer. So it's, it was kind of a dream from the time I was... 19 or so. Well, I'm glad we started off with some of your original compositions. Congratulations on the Rocky Mountain Emmy Award for River of Stone. And you actually did some study some time at USC in the, uh, studying film composition for film and television. Yeah. I wonder, how did you approach that differently from some other composition when you're writing for television or for film? Oh, it's very different. Um, first of all, you are... Um, uh, given um, a specific duration to compose. So, for example, uh, the uh, the producer, let's say at KUED, uh, would give me a script and, and tell me uh, where he wanted the music and how long it should be. <laughs> and so, and then, and then, uh, it's the 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 film composer or TV composer has to be somewhat of a chameleon. You have to be very good at capturing dramatic um, ideas. And you have to be willing to uh, change if, if the producer or director doesn't like it. <laughs> so You know, uh, some people might find those to be really constraining, but do you find with all those different parameters, does it actually prompt or, 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 or uh, give a, a jolt to some extra creativity, to having the constraints to work in? I think for me it did, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I learned a lot of different styles. I transcribed a lot of music when I was studying jazz, and so I was able to... I, I, was, I was good at, uh, at copying and mimicking, and so I, you know, I, if somebody wanted uh, music at a certain, you know, in a certain style, I, I knew technically how, how to do that. Good. Yeah. Well, let's hear some more. We'll let you go uh, get okay. your guitar on, on, in hand and on your knee there. We're about to hear a 2007 piece by Keith Jarrett, uh, who actually has some, some things in common with Tully. They both studied at the, the Berkeley College of Music and actually are both fluent in jazz and classical. So uh, let's go ahead and hear the, our, the choral variations. Okay, and Steve, I just wanted to mention that... Um, uh, Keith Jarrett wrote the theme, uh, so you'll hear that in the first eight bars, but the composition really is mine. Um, so there are about eight variations. So it's, uh, it's under my name, but it's based on a theme by Keith Jarrett. <laughs> nice. Well, the, well, let's hear this collaboration. Choral, spelled C-O-R-A-L, variations, by Keith Jarrett, and arranged, transcribed, uh, co-created by Tully Cathy. Thank you. 
Tully Cathy performing his variation on Keith Jarrett's Choral, live on Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Tully Cathy is also the director of the classical guitar program at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. And I have to ask, lots of kids pick up a guitar, and for some it's just to have fun. For some it's a dream of rock stardom. But you took two paths sort of in between there, both to classical and jazz guitar. What sent you in those directions? Well, the uh, classical guitar was came first. Um, and I uh, started that when I was 10, and I remember I had, my family had uh, uh, two albums, Andre Segovia and Julian Bream, and those were really important recordings. Uh, and I had, had the opportunity to hear Andre Segovia in concert at Granite High School in Salt Lake uh, back, when was it, in the 60s. Wow. And, uh, and I heard Julian Bream at the Assembly Hall, and I heard Oscar Gillia, uh, three fantastic musicians, and I... Uh, Ended up taking a master class when I was 14 or so, I think it was, with uh, Oscar. But So the jazz was something, I think in, uh, getting uh, um, into jazz was uh, sort of like uh, wanting to blend in with my peers in high school. <laughs> and uh, there were some very talented people at um, Skyline High School um, and uh, that made me want to play jazz. So it talks about being 17, being a, a freelance guitar player. Is that like being a sideman for different bands? Right. Yeah, you, 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 if you're freelance, uh, you generally have to be a good sight reader um, so that you can just go into a situation and play without maybe without rehearsing or um, with a minimal rehearsal. Um, or, you know, if it, at the concert, well, let's see, I've, I've played with the Utah Symphony as an extra uh, many times in the past, and that's uh, very high pressure. But <laughs> uh, but there are rehearsals. <laughs> I, I read me. that you, they had you play mandolin once. Do they assume if you know one fretted string instrument, then you must certainly play them all? <laughs> Sometimes, well, guitar players who, um, especially studio guitar players, like in L.A. Um, uh, need to play, they have to be kind of like a jack-of-all-trades. So if you can play some mandolin, if you can fake on the banjo, I, I, I take a banjo and I retune it like the top four strings of a guitar. Don't tell anybody. And, <laughs> it's uh, our secret. <laughs> and, um, but learning the mandolin is a lot more difficult. It, that's a different uh, instrument because it's tuned completely differently. So... Uh, if someone walks into your school and they're six foot seven, you say, "Oh, what position do you play for basketball?" Or if someone's, you know, six foot four, three fifty, you ask if they're on the offense or the defense. Uh, who? What do you look at to know they're going to be a good classical guitar player? Is it the hands, or is it? Can you? Does that not even tell you? Is it just the 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 talent to want to do that, that coordination? It's it's both. Um, definitely, it's um, uh, the hands. And uh, but um, in the audition process, they have to be able to read. That's the most important thing. <laughs> a lot of guitar players don't know how to read very well, but classical is good. And you talk for... about reading music, notation or tablature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, notation. Good. Well, this next piece we're going to hear is one that takes some retuning, so we'll let you hop to that. Okay. And this is a, a drop detuning. So those of you who are familiar with the guitar, the low string, the E, is going to drop down to a D for this next piece. We're going to hear the first movement of Sonata Number no. 3, a 1927 piece by a Mexican composer, Manuel Ponce. An interesting uh, 
he really took an interest in the folklore of his uh, his own country. Even though uh, from age four, they he would listen to his sister's piano lessons and then hop up and then just play the pieces she'd been practicing. So uh, his parents knew there was some musicality in him and got him started. But he studied in Italy at the School of Bologna, the Conservatory in Berlin, uh, and then he went to Havana to study. But during 1912, uh, Ponce composed his most famous work called Little Star Estrellita. And he had an interesting conversation with Ettore Villalobos, a Brazilian composer. They both were in Paris for some reason, and maybe it was their their Western Hemisphere connection. But Villalobos says, I remember I asked him if the composers of his country were taking an interest in native music as I had been doing. And he said that he himself had been working in that direction. It gave me great joy to learn that in that distant part of my continent, there was yet another artist arming himself with the resources of the folklore of his people in the struggle for the future musical independence of his country. Kind of an interesting note. So now we'll hear this uh, first movement of Sonata Number no. 3 by Manuel Ponce.
The first movement of Manuel Ponce's Sonata Number no. 3, performed live in Studio 6 by Tully Cathy. Uh, Tully Cathy on Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. You recently formed the Utah Guitar Trio together with Todd Woodbury and John Yerby, who we've also had in as a right. guest before. Yes. He's the president of the Utah Classical Guitar Society. So I picture this Utah Guitar Trio, and it's not like one of you is on pedal steel and one <laughs> of you is on a nylon string and the other is playing the bass. It's three classical guitars. So That's right. Since you all have all of the, the notes there, how do you divide up what you play when you do trio music? Well, um, one example is uh, I just did a transcription of a Bach violin sonata, uh, for originally for violin and harpsichord, and I just literally gave... Uh, I played guitar one, and that was the violin part, and then uh, guitar two played the right hand of the harpsichord, and guitar three played the bass. <laughs> it was the continuo. So, uh, so so if you do your own arrangement, you can give yourself the solo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little <laughs> selfish there, but... Uh, so that's one possibility. Um, piano music generally works well. Uh, you have to make some octave adjustments, obviously, because the range of the guitar is narrower, much narrower than the piano. But um, it's, uh, it's a wonderful texture. It kind of sounds like a giant harpsichord in a way. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to hear it. I, I, yeah. I hope I get to he hear the group. Well, we, um, we are going to make an album here soon, but uh, we were off to a good start with this uh, a concert that I gave in September at the university. Oh, it sounds like a, a, a neat sound. Uh, I want to hear it. You helped actually put together the classical guitar program right. at the U of U. And I wonder, uh, because so many play people play guitar to some degree or other, and not lots of them to a degree of excellence, but... It, was there any hesitation that you felt in other sections of the music department in having a classical guitar school there? Well, I think, uh, you know, the university went for quite a while without one. We had one back in the, uh, when was it, in the 70s and I think early 80s. And then unfortunately it got cut through budget problems. But so uh, it's been a long time in com coming, but uh, it's not a big uh, draw. Obviously, the large ensembles are what really bring in the students. So, uh, but it's, it's a rare and a wonderful thing to have the program. Um, but usually we only have about, we have probably about eight students. Not all of them are performance majors. Some of them are composition, or, mm -hmm. but they're using classical guitar as their main instrument. Well, tell us about this final piece that we're going to hear. This is from a piece by, uh, that's an homage to Boccherini. Right, this is by Castelnuovo Tedesco, who um, uh, is Italian um, and was a very good friend of Andres Segovia's. Um, along with Ponce, by the way. So this is Segovia repertoire that we're mm. hearing. And uh, Tedesco um, uh, was uh, approached by, or rather, uh, Segovia asked Tedesco uh, to write a sonata, um, a, a major piece, and uh, um, and as an homage um, to Baccarini. And so, and Tedesco was very prolific. He produced this um, quickly, in short order. Um, it's very classical in style. Um, uh, Tedesco is just wonderfully melodic. He's relentlessly melodic. I, sometimes I just, when I practice, I just sing the melody while I'm playing because it's, <laughs> you know, it sounds like you're listening to an opera or something. But um, it's got a, a minuet trio for the third movement. Um, the, the movement that I'm playing is the first movement, which is a traditional sonata form. Um, so uh, Tedesco was a classicist in many regards. 
Well, let's hear this first movement from this Omaggio uh, Boccherini by Mario Castelnuovo Tedesco. And as you mentioned, uh, he's an Italian composer, and he, he wrote over 100 different works for guitar, and then he spent a lot of time in Hollywood writing for films and actually scored over 200 Hollywood films. Maybe that's where his gift for melody uh, found a home.
We've just heard a movement, the first movement of the Sonata called uh, Omaggio a Boccherini, performed live by Tully Cathy. And that concludes this edition of Highway 89. Tully Cathy directs the classical guitar program at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, and he's performed with the Utah Opera, the Nova Chamber Music Series. His award-winning compositions have been performed by the Utah Symphony, the Modern Mandolin Quartet, and on public television. He's also a member of the Utah Guitar Trio with Todd Woodbury and John Yerby. His performance today was arranged with the help of the Utah Classical Guitar Society. So thank you for being here today, Tully, and we hope you come back again soon. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, and welcome your comments and questions about the show. To contact us, send an email to highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. The show's producer is Jackie Tateishi, with assistance today from Andy McQuinn. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thank you for listening.